Hello and welcome to Agony Aunt and Uncle. If you're listening on podcast, you can also watch us on our YouTube channel, The Sawala Adelies. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, everyone. Um, yeah, if this is your first time uh, listening to this podcast, we are what it says on the tin. Think of us as your aunt and uncle, not your psychiatrist, not your psychotherapist. We are not in any way qualified for any of that. We just try to share through our own experiences a bit of aunt and uncle advice. It's funny, isn't it? This is, this is probably the only bit of content that we do across our many different platforms and in different sort of forms like podcasts versus YouTube films versus, I don't know, posts, where I, always, I have to really sort of remind myself not to be gallows humour about stuff because we are essentially handling you know, really sensitive dilemmas, issues and problems. And in a weird way, I, rem- I in these moments where we sort of read, think about, digest and share our thoughts on some of your issues that you've shared with us, I place myself at that point that I find myself at sometimes where I have to be really serious because something really important has happened for my kids or I need to, my advice needs to be you know, straight. So, um, so yeah, this, this is, this is an opportunity for us to really sort of, you know, get serious and try and be as constructive and as meaningful as we possibly can. We don't, we don't profess to have gone through everything that you're going to share with us. We, but we've lived life and we have a, we have our opinions. Yeah. And also we're really grateful to you for your questions because out of it, Mm. it makes us think, it makes us think about life, makes us think about what we might be- believe, but actually, are we putting enough into practice? Or to sometimes pat ourselves on the back and go, oh my God, look how far we've come. So it, it's a two-way street. So thank you so much. And in fact, I was just having a conversation similar to that with one of our daughters, where we had a big conversation yesterday, actually around phones. And we were both saying how we would like to be different with our phones. And then when I saw it this morning, I said to her, Oh my God, I thought of you this morning. I thought of that conversation. I thought of the advice I was giving you and realised I was not enacting it myself. So I said, so thank you for that conversation yesterday because it made me a little better this morning. And I took my deep yogic breaths before I looked at my phone. So it's a two-way street. And the other thing I would also like to say is that obviously, you know, these are very personal dilemmas that have come from you individually. And so obviously there's that feedback that you're getting. But we're also always looking at some of the topics that come up in terms of how they will spread beyond simply the dilemma at hand, but into kind of areas of other people's lives. So that there's that, again, that shareability. You know, Mm. you've heard me go on about Mm. it. If you know our channel well enough, I always bang on about the value of group therapy or group sharing and all that kind of stuff because... It just, I, I am a big, increasingly, for saying I'm quite a sort of unsocial person, I massively believe in the hive mentality when it comes to mental health and, uh, you know, and emotional experiences. And, and something that we've really learned through Mark's sobriety and going to AA and, and you know, one of the things that they say um, in the fellowship is look for the similarities, not the differences. So you might hear a problem and think, oh, God, this is a problem about blah, blah, blah. This will have no relevance to me. But there might be something in there Mm. that you could transport to something else that's going on in your lives. It's interesting you should say that because sometimes, obviously, when we post these things up for, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, what have you, 
you know, you're encouraged, you're, you obviously create a title and it's called Agony Aunt and Uncle. And that's an interesting point you make there because sometimes I feel when me and Michelle are arriving at the titles for these, that the specifics of some of the issues that come up, you feel, oh, that doesn't encapsulate the breadth of the conversation mm. we might have had. So there are times where I'm sort of thinking, maybe we shouldn't actually put what each one's about and people should just come and have a listen mm. because That's you'd, a be good surprised. Idea. you'd be maybe surprised. Maybe we should just put, look for the similarities, not the differences yeah, in these problems. Absolutely. So maybe yeah. this won't have a title. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, the first one was really interesting um, because I'll read this one out. <laughs> I mean, I was about to throw myself under the bus there. The, the, the pitter-patter you can hear is our lovely, lovely, lovely dog wandering around. It's, it's their, their paws. Um, this first one, I was going to throw myself under the bus a little bit with it because whenever I see something about friendship and friends, I have this now, and in fact, my therapist, who I'm seeing at the moment, is saying, you've got to stop doing this. I, I have this kind of gallows humour where I just sort of say, I'm, I'm, I don't do friends or I don't have friends. That's not true. Obviously, there are people in my life who know I do have friends. But I always think of myself as a person not with friends. And this dilemma that's been sent in, it does have a name at the bottom and it's abbreviated enough because sometimes I like to make people anonymous even if you haven't asked to be anonymous. Just, I don't know, it's a kind of parental protection. But you've just described yourself as signed off as M. So we'll just call you, call you M. Um, but uh, yeah, this, I, 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 sometimes, I sometimes beat myself up with this idea that I don't have friends from... A long time ago or right? you know lots of people you know you meet people and and Dina I think has you know friends from school and I'm like friends oh, from nursery friends from nursery well you yeah. were playing with each other's poo I mean that's amazing so I feel great intimidation sometimes around the almost the tip not tyranny but the sort of pressure that we should all have these long-term friendships so this one is about friendship and this is really interesting um, and that is now our dog drinking water in the background. <laughs> so apologies. She's having. A, she's doing her routine. She's having a great time. <laughs> she's doing her podcast. ablutions. Yeah, it's her time for her <laughs> ablutions. Okay, so hi, Mark and Ads. I've been going through a sudden breakup with my best friend. We met at school at 15, now 25. Instantly became friends. And as an only child, she became like a sister to me. She came on holidays with my family. We went away together with each other's boyfriends, etc. Out of the blue, after she ignored a number of my messages, she's always been bad at it, so I didn't overthink it too much. She sent me a long text saying we were no longer friends and that I don't enrich her life anymore. Oh my God. And a list of other things, none of which came down to an exact reason. I understand people drift apart, but genuinely never thought there would be a sudden break with her. Our mutual friends have all told me how confused they are by her actions and others, including my boyfriend, have pointed out that she took on a patronising tone in her message and throughout our friendship and that perhaps she was unhappy with how our lives had changed in our 20s in that I didn't look up to her so much anymore and had found my own independence and voiced my own opinions when they were different to hers. I now live in London, work in the city in my dream job, have my own hobbies and friends, and despite all of this, I still really miss her and feel incredibly hurt and feel like I'm grieving. But going through a friend breakup isn't seen by others as the same as a normal breakup <clears throat> or a death. Do you have any tips on how to move on? I'd love to be able to look back and have the happy memories without feeling bitter or overthinking if I did something wrong. I also can't help but worry about her mental health, but no longer have the energy or ability to help her out as that's no longer my job. Love, love to you both. Wow. Can I say, first of all, wow. I feel so, so, so sorry for your friend, Em. Because it sounds to me like she couldn't bear your growth. Yeah. And we were talking about this word the other day um, on Coffee Morning, compersion. We've just learnt this, this yeah. word. 
it's actually used in polyamorous relationships, but compersion is the joy that you feel for somebody else that has no impact. It doesn't come vicariously through you because it's going to mm. give you this, this and that. It's just the pure, un unadulterated joy. As a family, we were watching the other day um, First Dates, one of those, and there was this couple and they were so adorable each other. And I looked around the room and all of us were just mm. beaming yeah, we at this story like it was our child. And I said to all of you, didn't I? I said, this is it. This is compersion. This mm. is the secret to a joyful life is to absolutely bathe in the glory of those that you love. Mm. Wow, she's moved on. Well, wow, she's got this thing. Oh, this is a bit tricky. She was used to everything I said, but you know what? Good for her that she's rising up and she's able to speak up for herself that would be the ideal situation that your that your friend would be in now and also if she could be really honest and say things like do you know what when i actually think about it i'm actually struggling mm. with the fact that i'm not the boss in this relationship anymore mm. because from the sounds of you that is something you would respond to. And there was another programme we were watching last night and somebody just said something so honest, didn't she? She said, yeah, I'm going to admit, I really fancied this guy. I made a bit of a fool of myself, but it's because I really fancied him. And as a family, we all went, oh, my God, how attractive that she told the truth there about herself. Mm. If your friend had been able to tell you the truth of where she was going with your friendship your friendship would have been enriched to another level. You would have got to the intimacy of a friendship. You know, it's like intimacy people just tend to think of as sex. But intimacy within your relationships is about you being able to share everything unashamedly. Yeah. So you both have kids and, what, and your kid is a bloody nightmare. And you can't tell anyone else because they'll judge you, but you can tell that friend yeah, because yeah. you know they're going to just be... Right, okay, roll the sleeves up. What can we do? What conversation can we have about this? And that's how a relationship that's going to continue on, I think it's the only way that it has value, is if you are continuing on, joyful for each other, mm. able to share the bad times and the fears as well as the good times, never having to hide your light under a bushel so that your friend feels better. Mm. So even though you are experiencing this great sense of loss, the greatest loss is to your friend, I think, because she's lost the potential of a great friendship. It's just so beautiful what you said. I wish she could read this and hear this. I wish. Because you, the fact that you said she's done all of these things, but you miss her and you're grieving. You love her. You mm. love her. Mm. And... and I would suggest that because all is lost at this moment anyway, I would suggest that you say to her one last time, if this is really that you don't want me anymore in your life, can you just answer these few questions for me because I need proper closure and I don't think I have it anymore. But what I would much prefer is that we go to the next stage of our friendship where we just talk about all the stuff that hasn't been going right. Maybe we have an argument, but we know at the end of it, like a good marriage, we are going to still be together. And just, and just put out there those two things 
And then I think if she says, nah, can't be bothered, da-da-da-da, you've got that kind of closure. Or she might say, yeah, let's have the conversation, because I think what you need now is proper closure. Well, it's interesting you should say that, because, I mean, one of my feelings about this, and, and this is making me think, this is, this is where this podcast, I hope, is quite... It's quite interesting because it made me think of a number of experiences other, I know other people have gone through with friendships and also uh, something that I went through with a, a close friend who I would have liked to have carried on into grown life. I mean, relationships do fall apart. And I think, is it the culture we live in? Is it the culture we very much live in now as opposed to even 10 or 20 years ago? that blame seems to creep in to these kind of things. You know, growing apart is not a crime. Um, falling out of love isn't a crime. It's tragically sad, it's upsetting, it's distressing. How you manage it, how you deal with it, how you communicate that. I mean, I went into an existential place yesterday thinking, I mean, if, and I'm, I'm off on a tangent to come back, trust me. You know, if I was to, you know, what if Nadia just one day suddenly found me kissing her repulsive and it was like, and she just couldn't get back from that. What? There's nothing I could do about that because I'm me kissing you. I could not get that back. So the reason I'm using the kind of, you know, there may be just something about the two of you that is irreconcilable, if not still sad. But it's not a crime and it's not something that needs to, you know, get into a sort of blame game situation. It feels like you've got absolutely nothing to lose from... Absolutely doing what Nadia says, I think, and stepping back into some kind of communication with her where you name, if not exactly as you've written it to us, but pretty much most of what you've written here. If, if it was me and I really wanted the relationship and I'd sent a message off to a couple of idiots on YouTube like, like us, you know, for some advice or, you know, care, I would probably copy and paste it and say, do you know what? I'm this sad about it, I've actually reached out mm. to a couple of people, an agony aunt and uncle type person, to ask for some advice, because this is how much it's left me feeling like this. And, maybe and, even clip this answer. Yeah, and because and, and some, sometimes just, just holding the absolute truth of the situation and not thinking about, oh, I'll soften the edge of that or I'll soften the edge of that. What you can feel here is honesty. You're not even trying it's to blame no anyone. Effect. No, you're not. You know, you're talking about even the people that you say your your mutual friends and your boyfriend, maybe the mutual friend bit might you might need to tread carefully around if they're, if they're friends. Yeah. And yeah, you don't want them because then it gets into that everyone's talking about me. Take out the boyfriend as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? I mean the essence or the idea is is that you actually go so far as to kind of say as much of this as you possibly can to them. I can think of someone I know who had a relationship or a friendship with someone from a very young age at school all the way up until they were about 35, 40, and it stopped dead at the point that they had children. And the person clearly couldn't relate to, or be happy for, or contend with, or accept, or even acknowledge that their friend of however many years had had children, because what, what was they were acknowledging in that was that they'd moved on. And I think the, other, the flip side of this is, I think that might be something you can do if you're wanting to rescue this relationship. If you're, if you're wanting to work out how to cope with the end of this relationship, I think something that you have to accept, and we have had to accept this in our lives, in other friends' lives, sometimes the way you live your life, the relationship you're in, the family you found for yourself, the job you do, the, the lifestyle you lead, the opinions you share, like you, you, you make a strong point there about the opinions that are different to hers. Some people just can't... It's too painful for some people. 
to see that you don't need them in the way that you used to need them. Mm, to evolve. So, you know, it's not that you don't want the friendship, but she somewhere, or he somewhere, has possibly got the idea that unless it was like it was, this isn't the friendship I want. And perhaps that friendship back then was that the power balance was a bit different and it was their opinions that prevailed and it was them that was on the upper and it was them who felt they, you know, so that, and that's where that sort of control and all that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, you can't shift the dial on that if that person has gone to that place. And when I think of the friendship that I'm thinking of, I was really sad. It was really sad that they, the, the relationship had sort of did that. And it was doing that for a while before it completely sort of went, went in two different directions. But it very much happened at the point that I went to university and then when I went to university, it was like I tried to re-establish it, but it just couldn't because we'd moved into different worlds. So, you know, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's about making sure you've done everything you can to try and communicate your side of it. And then when you can't, acknowledging that actually, and I'm thinking this about someone very close to me, although it's really difficult to not have that sort of friendship or relationship with them, Sometimes, although it can be tragically sad and very upsetting and distressing potentially, is that the kindest thing or the most friendliest thing you can do for your friend is to acknowledge that actually they are in the longer term of their life going to be happier, perhaps, you know, not having the friendship too. You know, sometimes the kindest thing you can give to someone is stepping back from a relationship that for whatever reasons not of your making is too painful for that person to cope with. And I'm going through that and it's really tough, but it's sometimes necessary. I think it's just so sweet the way you say that you can't help worrying about her mental health. I mean, mm. you, you know, mm. your friend, maybe she's going through something, I don't know, but I just wish she would just listen to what a great friend she has in you. And on your question, how do I look back at happy memories without feeling bitter or overthinking? In my opinion, I think that's only time mm. that will do that. Mm. When you've been hurt, what is you'll just learn to grow around it because it is grief, like when you have a death, and you it's never okay that death, but you just grow around it, and I think that's what you're just gonna have to wait for. Right, so we've never discussed anything around this before. I don't think we've even done this on how to stay married, and this is a huge question for a lot of couples. Right. So how do I talk to my how do I talk my partner into having another baby? Right. We have a four-year-old little girl and I'm ready to start trying for another, but my husband isn't. All of my friends have had small gaps in between their children, but I didn't want to pressure my husband as he is the main source of income for us. I think four year four years old is long enough, but he doesn't. How can I talk him round without him feeling like he's being forced into it? Well, oh, first of all, what I would say is, I, in my opinion, well done for not forcing him into it because, and I have looked around today on various different websites and um, marriage guidance counsellors and psychologists, and that is the first bit of advice. Don't think about forcing, don't think about um, stopping your birth control without them. None of that. Mm -hmm. Don't do that because the evidence is there that that kind of broken trust can really destroy a relationship. And we'll get Mark's opinion on that. Um, but 
because you'll have lots of stuff. We talked about this on Loose Women, I think, the other day. Somebody, we showed a clip, or might have been on Coffee Morning, mm. of a woman that had surprised her husband. It was their fourth kid, and he didn't know she was getting pregnant. And she did this big surprise, this big reveal, and he was horrified and destroyed. But then, of course, there's always the happy ending to the story on social media. But in the end, she's our blessing, and we really love her. Mm. Great. But you can easily get caught up in that, that if, if I just do it, he'll end up loving her anyway, at, or loving her or him anyway. And there is no guarantee in that. So if anyone who's listening to this is thinking of that, I would say be really mindful and consider that there could be a huge chance that it breaks up your relationship, a risk. So I'm glad that you say you don't want to force. Now, a very close friend of mine, she... Um, was with her second partner. She'd had a baby with the first and she'd had her second with her second partner. And he was desperate for another baby. And I never felt it was my place, but I wanted to say to him, just stop the drip, 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 drip. Because every time you drip, I can see her recoil and get the ick more and more and more. She'd had, she was exhausted from both the babies. She was worried about money and... I really believe that if he just left it for a bit and then had a conversation that included we instead of I, he might have had another child. They did eventually break up, which is sad. But, so, first of all, I think if you're going to have conversations about it, set the conversation aside. Don't do, oh, Joe, I wish we could, oh, when are we going to have another baby? Because that kind of, like, dripping tap situation I think can can if you think of other situations in your life where maybe that might have happened and you it just can get so irritating you can feel overwhelmed and you can feel like you have to get really defensive to make it really clear that's something that you don't want if there's anything else in your life that you can think of and then replace that with the baby idea um I agree you know I did not want a second child at all uh, until and Maddie was suddenly four and then suddenly I had this huge you know desire for another baby and it was overwhelming but if I'd gone much before that I wouldn't because I had a difficult birth blah, blah, blah. Um, you say that lots of your friends have a much smaller gap and that so that's obviously caused you a bit of pain you feel like you're just waiting you're waiting for the right moment I'm also hearing the fact that he has full financial um, control is also difficult because maybe that's a part of you thinking you can't say you want another baby because you you know he mm. makes all the money so here's some suggestions how about really really talking about we do we want another baby what do we think do we think there can be a point what do we if you're both brothers he could be an only child i don't know i wish i had that extra detail but and he could be frightened, he might not know what it's like to have a sibling, so maybe if you have siblings, maybe he's seen you fight all the time and you could say, yeah, but I wouldn't have missed it for the world, this, this, this that I get from having siblings. Talk about how you see the future, acknowledge that maybe he's worried about money. Maybe even say, let's put in a hat or let's, or just text me if he's somebody that isn't good at talking, the things that might worry you. I don't want to ever force you and I never want you to feel forced into position of having another baby, but I really want to hear what 
your positives and negatives could be. Make that person feel cherished, that their opinions are meaningful to you. So, you know, it, it, could it be financial? And if so, is that something we should allow to stand in the way of us having, you know, this big family, you're such a great dad already, look at the way our daughter adores you. They say that love is divided, but honestly, all my friends say it's multiplied. Because I was very scared when I had, when I was thinking of having a second baby, that it would feel like to Maddie that I'd been unfaithful to her. You never know. He might be thinking like that. He might be thinking, what would it mean for this one? It would be awful if I brought another. He could have had that experience as a child where he was really happy being the child and then another one was brought in. And then he didn't like that. And that is something you could address. You could say, we would. what was it that left you feeling you know, unloved and pushed to one side. We could be really mindful of that and we could really enact that. So I suppose what I'm saying is have a conversation that is all about his feelings. Take out your desires from the conversation and just have a really grown-up conversation. I wonder what, you know, people, do you know what? People do quite like to be asked about how they feel about things. Even even those that might be reluctant at the beginning, and then you have to go have to go from there. But listening and responding, this is a really important one. Not reacting. So if he were to say, "Oh, I've never seen myself having another. I've never want. I've said to you, I never want another one." Mm. Don't go. But that's I'm desperate for, and I've been waiting four years. I didn't want you to feel in this under this pressure. Yeah, yeah. What you might say instead, yeah, yeah, acknowledge that. Say, yeah, no, I know you have, but. Maybe we can have a conversation because life changes all the time. You know, you have to take you out of it, I believe, and him fully as the star of it. Yes. This, I'm going to come at this very much from being a man. And from being <laughs> well, a father. No, and also, but from being a father. I mean, mm. in terms of, I think everything Nadia has said is absolutely spot on. I think, you know, it's clearly a very sensitive situation. And what I'm about to say isn't, necessarily even what the situation is for you, but I'm just going to throw up some um, potential red flag-ish stuff that I would suggest uh, from, a, that, that from a male perspective would, will not go down well with a, with a, with a father, uh, with a father-to-be, uh, with a partner. Um, I think anything in which, as a man, you feel... And I'm not suggesting again this for a minute. This is what you're you're, you're saying, but I think Nadia said tiptoed through that very carefully to say confrontation, no, M manipulation, no, suddenly stopping birth control, absolutely not, not having a doing anything yourself in a in a in a vaguely unilateral fashion, absolute no no, absolute no no. You can't move accidentally on purpose or pretend accidentally doesn't work doesn't get the there's no guarantee with that whatsoever equally i would also say that you know i i, I get what you're saying that you know finding the right moment where he's going to be in a position or in a frame of mind or at a place where he's going to be more inclined to entertain the idea of having a second child when i hear that as an idea, I also see that as quite, in, in and of itself, a, 
manipulative with a little M. It's kind of like waiting for a moment when he's going to be more inclined to want to agree with you. I think what you have to do in this, or I would, I would recommend in this situation, if it was me, you will have, and I would have thought you must have talked about prior to having your first child, how many children you probably wanted, what your visions, what your, what your ideas were of family, whether you would want other... I mean, those... So I would have a look at what those conversations were about. I think, like Nadia said, what was his background? If they were an only child, that could, that could feature in it. Where is, he, where is he at in terms of his relationship with this child? Is he close to this child? Because something that can sometimes creep in, I think, into making these decisions is that just, just because friends are having other children and just because other children have siblings doesn't necessarily mean it's something that should necessarily happen. You, it's about you asking you, the reasons why you want a, a second child as much as why he perhaps doesn't want a second child. That would be the question I'd ask is, well, why? Why do we want a, what What is the purpose of having a second child? Is it to give our child company? Is it, if he's, as you say, sort of predominantly the, the income gatherer, if he's out and he's doing his things, and is it more for you to feel more a sense of company within what feels like, uh, you know, a, a two-person family a lot of the time, which in and of itself isn't a bad thing or nor a, a, a something not to understand. But that's, you know, it's worth asking the question, is that for the right reasons? And I hear, you know, I can see that you're saying that, you know, friends have had uh, children with similar age gaps or that four years is, you know, I mean, my take on that would be just because someone else has done it in that period of time doesn't mean that we have to do it in that same mm. period of time. And I think it really is but about... she's left it double the time is what she's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get that. But maybe maybe six... There's no hard and fast rule. There are no regulations. There are no rules to it. I think sometimes when, when having children, it's really important to ask the questions, why do we want them? And being fearsomely honest about that. And then why do we not want them? And equally being fearsomely honest. I think we sometimes can trip into thinking the wanting and having of a baby is the correct route and the not having the baby is the one that needs to be kind of reconfigured and re-steered. And I, mm. I just think... And, I, and yeah. if your child is four, then she's going off to school and are you... Mm. Like Mark says, do you really? Is it really that you want another baby, or are you frightened mm. about what you're going to do? Because mm. you know the other thing is, could you get a job? Could you think about bringing, you know, more money into the house? Because that is another thing you could say to him. You know, mm. you say, you know, if it's financial, let's work out how I can work with this one. The other thing is, this is the difficult part of the conversation. Is he frightened that he will lose more of you? How's your sex life since you've had a baby? How's your intimacy? How's mm, your affection? Are mm. uh, you know a lot of us mums can get so into our child that they're actually sidelined, mm. you know. And if you, in your heart of hearts, feel that's playing a bit of a part of this, you might have to be brave and go to the pain of that and say because mm. that could enrich this. That conversation will enrich your relationship anyway. There because... is nothing more potentially convincing. If I was in his position, I would be much more inclined to sit down and have a conversation if we were both talking about both of our fears, both of our worries, the pros and cons of both sides, given equal measure, equal emphasis. Because I'm then a softie, I would much more then start moving towards the idea of, well, how could we make this work, actually, exactly. if this is something we want, rather than, as Nadia says, accusatory 
challenging. Or, you know, defensive. with a four-year-old, defensive, squeezing this kind of conversation in, not knowing how to tackle You've it. You've got to set some time yeah, aside. Yeah. We've, we've often mentioned on our daily news show, Coffee Moaning, and on our uh, marriage podcast, the tools that we... The most important tool we were given by a marriage guidance counsellor was to sit and listen and to put a timer on mm. for two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, and you make a faithful promise that you do not interject, you do not uh, interrupt, and you let that other person speak. Mm. So maybe that's something you could think about too as a way, if you're in that part of your relationship where one talks and then the other one's immediately gone into defence, which we all do all mm, the time, mm, mm, mm. but it's very difficult to move on from a place that you're stuck in your communication if you can't, stop and listen and up for us the only way now when you think about our adhd no wonder we couldn't bloody stop the only way we were able to do that was by having a timer and even then we've done i've had to stay married recently on that it went completely pear-shaped so it's not easy yeah. it's not like we're saying, sitting here saying oh yeah no it's really straightforward but timer on. will you please please stay in touch and let us know how it goes and maybe even let us know a bit more about mm. about what your yours and his history because like mm. Mark says I'd love to know if you'd had a conversation about whether you were going to have other children did he mm. never want children was the one child already him acquiescing you yeah, know? exactly all exactly. of that stuff so really I'd like key. to know a bit more because I love to really know your stories guys mm. um so thank you again to everybody that wrote in and um yeah so next week will be how to stay married podcast and then the week after we'll be back with agony aunt and uncle but please do keep sending your your problems in because a problem shared is a problem halved that's the idea yeah <laughs> lots of love